tech market correction, the dangerous denial stage. Practical investment advice from the greatest crook of our generation. Most economists now believe the economy will explode in the second half 2021 as more and more people receive the vaccination. However, economists and analysts are split on what this means for the stock market. The Federal Reserve says the U.S. economy is expected to grow faster than originally forecast, and inflation will be transitory and Goldman Sachs says we are not in a bubble and investors should just relax. However, plenty of economists are pointing out serious warning signs like overinflated stock prices and pockets of potentially stock market damaging inflation. Larry Summers, the former Undersecretary of the U.S. Treasury for International Affairs thinks we are now seeing the most irresponsible macroeconomic policy in 40 years, and he's not alone. As we witnessed last week with the forced liquidation of Archegos Capital Management, Denying even the possibility of a potentially serious downturn creates a dangerous situation for investors. Therefore, as we approach the 12-year anniversary of his sentencing, I thought it might be useful to remember how many times investors remained in denial when faced with obvious warning signs, before losing tens of billions to the greatest crook of our generation, Bernie Madoff. In this article. The Greatest Ponzi Scheme of All Time the denial phase, the anger phase, the bargaining phase, the depression phase, acceptance, final thoughts, the greatest Ponzi scheme of all time. According to his classmates, Bernie Madoff was an average student, at best. Academics simply wasn't his forte. He liked girls and hung around with them but he wasn't a ladies' man. What Bernie was good at was pathological lying. Bernie claimed he started his investing career with the money he'd earned as a summer lifeguard. The truth was his father-in-law was convinced to loan young Bernie $50,000 to start his new investing firm. Combining old-school investing with computers to facilitate automated trading, Bernie and his brother ultimately were responsible for developing the idea for the NASDAQ. Naturally, Bernie went on to become one of the most respected investment gurus of all time. Toward the end of his career, only the richest, most powerful, and most famous, had the privilege to invest money with Bernie Madoff. And that was the con. The exclusive permission to invest your money with the best money man in the world. Complete, unshakable belief you were joining a selected few was the ticket to joining the Ponzi scheme. If an investor showed any concern or asked any questions, Bernie showed them the door. His investment strategies were proprietary. Top secret. In fact, so secret SEC investigators weren't allowed to see them. Bernie swore in court he didn't start the multi-billion dollar Ponzi scheme until the early 90s. In fact, in court, he told the jury he didn't know why he started the scheme at all considering how rich, successful, and respected he already was. It was widely suspected Bernie had in fact never been an investing success but rather had started his Ponzi scheme many years earlier in the early 80s, perhaps it had all been a Ponzi scheme from day one. In the end, on June 29, 2009, Judge Chin sentenced Bernie to 150 years in federal prison. 
Judge Chin also said that Madoff had not been forthcoming about his crimes. I have a sense Mr. Madoff has not done all that he could do or told all that he knows, said Chin, calling the fraud extraordinarily evil, unprecedented, and staggering, and that the sentence would deter others from committing similar frauds. Judge Chin also agreed with prosecutors' contention that the fraud began at some point in the 1980s. He also noted that Madoff's crimes were off the chart since federal sentencing guidelines for fraud only go up to $400 million in losses. 1. Denial You had a lot of novice investors who got into the market looking for easy money, without any regard to the fundamentals. These stocks were running on fumes. Bernie Madoff, Washington Post, Jan 2, 2001 Although there are already signs of inflation everywhere, the Federal Reserve continues to stick to the transitory inflation narrative. The soothing lullaby of loose monetary policy appears to have lulled many investors to sleep. Even after a significant correction, it appears a very large number of valuations still are completely disconnected from fundamentals. As mentioned in the introduction, investors received yet another stark warning that not all is well following the forced liquidation of Archegos Capital Management and the incredible losses suffered by large primary brokers like Credit Suisse and Nomura. Apparently thinking the worst of the sell-off was over, Archegos borrowed vast sums of money to purchase shares of Viacom as well as a number of Chinese shares. With a sharp turnaround in Viacom stock price coupled with the threatened delisting of Chinese companies from North American stock exchanges, Archegos Capital's portfolio was decimated. Apparently the various prime brokers Archegos used to borrow and invest money were not aware of each other. This lack of transparency allowed Archegos to take on far too much leverage, ultimately exposing the prime brokers like Credit Suisse and Nomura to suffer multi-billion dollar losses. Some are calling this incident a once-in-a-decade margin call. However, if you still think this is the last story we hear about investors being over-leveraged before this market cycle is over, you might be in denial about how bad things could still get. 2. Anger The whole government is a Ponzi scheme, Bernie Madoff. The Federal Reserve continues to talk about explosive growth later this year presumably to suggest GDP will outpace the cost of borrowing needed to stimulate the economy out of the pandemic-induced recession. However, the bond market appears to be looking at this explosive growth as a serious threat because it could easily trigger inflation. If the government has to start rolling over debt at much higher interest rates and those interest rates climb over the growth in GDP, then it may become impossible for governments to grow themselves out of debt. Even though many smart people are ringing warning bells, some stock market participants even appear to be angry that this scenario is even a possibility. Many prefer to believe interest rates will remain low forever. Although this story is already getting long in the tooth in this wildly volatile stock market, I think it proves a point. Robin Hood is not the enemy. It is not the Federal Reserve's job to make sure Reddit investors don't lose money when they gamble on volatile stocks. Facts are facts, the Federal Reserve is between a rock and a hard place. They must keep interest rates low for as long as possible to stimulate employment. Unfortunately, the side effect is excessive speculation by inexperienced investors. Facts are facts, Robinhood has to comply with regulations to ensure orderly trade flow. Unfortunately, 
The side effect is sometimes investors get trapped in stupid trades they probably shouldn't have made in the first place. The Federal Reserve can't fix everything, Robinhood can't break the law to protect investors, and the government isn't a Ponzi scheme. If you're still blaming Robinhood for your trading losses, you might be in the anger phase of this market correction. 3. Bargaining On regulations, in today's regulatory environment, it's virtually impossible to violate rules, but it's impossible for a violation to go undetected, certainly not for a considerable period of time. Bernie Madoff Enron, WorldCom, Tyco, Freddie Mac, Lehman Brothers, some of the worst accounting scandals of all time. Many of these scandals cost investors tens of billions of dollars. Yet, how clearly do you remember the stories surrounding these companies? How long does it take for investors to forget about the last bear market, or the last stock market bubble bursting, or the last massive accounting scandal? It appears it only takes about a decade for details to get hazy, approximately the same average for every boom and bust cycle in history. Unfortunately, it seems after a decade or two, people who live through a serious bust tend to forget the pain of the past fairly quickly. However, perhaps more disconcerting are investors new to investing, having never experienced a bust. These investors don't seem to fear a serious downturn at all. Now, what's really interesting is Investopedia recently released survey data showing that the big market-moving retail investors, all over the news recently, are not primarily the 20-somethings many market pundits assumed. In fact, it appears Gen X has ventured back into the stock market after being largely silent following the financial setback handed to them over a decade ago in the Great Recession. After only just over a decade, Gen X appears to be throwing money into sky-high stocks once again, hoping to catch a 10-bagger before stock prices get too high. Even Goldman Sachs has finally thrown in the towel and is reportedly now thinking about offering Bitcoin to wealthy investors even though Bitcoin at an all-time high of approximately $64,000. Goldman Sachs is supposed to be one of the very best investment houses in the world. However, facing incredible pushback and anger from clients, Goldman has decided to appease the masses and allow investors to pour cash into an ultra-volatile investment vehicle which is almost certain to see a very serious correction in the very near future. If you're thinking $60,000 is a good entry point to buy Bitcoin because Bitcoin fans have convinced you it's going to $1 million, you might be at the bargaining stage of this market correction. 4. Depression I don't like to see this type of activity. Eventually, if this bubble bursts, I think that people will be left holding the bag. I don't want to be around when that happens. Bernie Madoff, Wall Street Journal, Jan 14, 1999. Jerome Powell says he thinks inflation is going to remain low. This probably makes sense to a lot of people because inflation has been so low for so long. So, naturally, investors may wonder why we have to worry about inflation. There are a lot of theories, but the one I think makes the most sense is. North America has outsourced jobs at a steady pace for decades. This has helped depress North American salaries by shifting good-paying jobs to people in China and the Philippines who are willing to do the same jobs for a fraction of the salary paid in North America. 
depressed North American salaries have allowed companies to bring on more staff to increase production without being forced to increase the costs of goods being sold to consumers. This has forced the unemployment rate to steadily lower without a corresponding rise in wages. In a horrible, unvirtuous cycle, globalization and robots have kept salaries depressed. Outsourcing has kept product prices low. And that's lucky because people with low salaries need low-priced products if they're expected to keep spending. However, all of this might be coming to a swift end, due to the pandemic. The first sign is bond markets have finally reversed after a 40-year bull market in fixed income. This is likely due to a couple of important reasons. Inflation, why is it so low? Anticipation of inflation Like someone with too big a home and too small a salary, in anticipation of future inflation, zombified companies are piling in all the corporate debt they can issue. These companies know, if they are forced to refinance at a higher interest rate, it might mean the difference between solvency and bankruptcy. Issuing new debt now at a lower interest rate might keep their corporation afloat a few months or years longer. However, it also puts pressure on government bonds. The extra yield attracts investor dollars, forcing government bonds to be issued at higher interest rates to attract enough investors to buy the entire issue. Anti-globalization Supply lines around the world received a sudden shock when the pandemic hit. Although demand for many products suddenly dropped, for other in-demand products like gaming consoles, factories have never been able to match supply with demand. Expect this trend to continue. As companies bring factories home and shorten supply lines to avoid manufacturing delays, the ultimate result will be higher prices for consumers. Economists have a different name for this, they call it inflation. If you're starting to feel depressed while reading this article, you've probably entered the depressian phase of this market downturn. 5. Acceptance They bought into the story. They bought into Madoff's, Patna of respectability that he was a market maker, one of the largest on the street, they thought he was a Wall Street titan, and they had no reason to doubt him. But they didn't know that math like I did. Harry Markopoulos You didn't have to be an average schmo to lose money with Bernie Madoff. Lots and lots of hedge funds, banks, and other famous, well-known investment companies and of course all the wealthy investors who invested with these institutions were all also victims of Bernie Madoff. Famous, powerful, rich people like Kevin Bacon, Steven Spielberg, Larry King, Zsa Zsa Gabor, John Malkovich, were all victims of Bernie Madoff. Bernie Madoff's wife, children, and relatives, the people who knew him the best, ultimately ended up being victims of Bernie Madoff. Everyone ignored the repeated warnings of Harry Markopoulos, a financial analyst turned investigator who spent nearly a decade on Madoff's trail, and whose warnings were largely ignored by securities regulators. A lot of people went along to get along. A lot of people decided not to ask the hard questions, either of themselves or of the financial professionals they hired to take care of their hard-earned money. Simply accepting a half-assed explanation, when you know in your gut something is wrong, is foolish. If the Federal Reserve expects investors to believe all is well without providing a shred of proof, 
In fact, contrary to the proof in front of the eyes of even the most novice investor, well, I guess P.T. Barnum was right. There's a sucker born every minute. Last thoughts. After the worst pandemic in 100 years, a 40-year bond bull market has finally appeared to have reversed. New investor participation not seen since 1999 and 1929. And a Federal Reserve abandoning their mandate to stabilize prices by focusing nearly exclusively on employment numbers. Many investors still believe the recent pullback in technology stocks is merely a buying opportunity. Is it possible central banks around the world will be able to correct this economic catastrophe without accidentally causing a worldwide financial disaster? Sure, it's possible, but a lot of really smart, connected people thought it was possible to get a smooth, consistent 12% per year investing with Bernie Madoff when the rest of the investing world was being rocked by market volatility. Don't blindly follow the crowd. Don't assume the powerful men and women currently stewarding the largest economies of the world have all of the answers for this disaster figured out. Prepare for the unexpected. Ask hard questions of the people you take advice from and the people you trust to invest your money. Stay calm, stay vigilant, diversify, rebalance, and if you're still in denial that things could still go south, snap out of it. Disclosure, I have no positions in any of the stocks referenced in this article. Please seek professional advice before making any investment decisions. I'd like to hear from you. Are you bullish? Bearish? Tell me why in the comments.